0: Hi, everyone. I am excited to introduce our next guest, Jim Perry. He is also a podcaster, and I came across his podcast. Um, He's doing some interesting things out there, interviewing people about their encounters, supernatural events, and I thought it would be great to have him on the show um, to help support his podcast, along with just finding out more about his background. Um, The name of his podcast is called Euphemet, and Jim Perry, Welcome.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you this morning.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your podcast and what made you get into wanting to hear about people's paranormal experiences and just learn about what's going on out there in the paranormal world.
1: Yeah, well, You've Met is a show about the unknown and our relationship to it, and and really what that means is that the relationship to it is really the most important part of that equation. Um, I, I felt that with paranormal stories, um, with the occult, with the esoteric, uh, there is a shortage of really focusing in on what the. Personal sort of transformation uh, that can occur when people have these um, anom- anomalous uh, a- activity, these experiences that we can't explain, and so, you know, I was really inspired by public radio shows, you know, This American Life and and, and Snap Judgment and and some of these uh, audio documentary shows. Now, and I thought, oh, go, go ahead.
0: ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry about that.
1: Oh yeah, no worries. Yeah, I just felt like that. Uh, this content hadn't been really displayed in that form, Um, I thought I I could give it a shot and I thought it would be kind of like a really great adventure to go on. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Now, um, one of the questions that I was going to ask, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, what have your own paranormal experiences been like? Have you had many? Or are you just on this mission to hear more about other people's stories?
1: You know, before the show, my... Per, like personal experiences were limited. You know, I, I tell a story about how uh, one of the things that was very common when I was a kid was, was seeing sort of a, perhaps a psychic interaction between my grandmother and my mother. You know, they would walk to the phone and pick it up and start talking to each other without it ever having to ring. And that was a, it was like a really a daily occurrence in my household and something we never thought, you know, anything about. So there were things like that that would happen as a child or, and, and I think these are not too dissimilar to what a lot of people experience. Uh, I, I don't think it's very unique. Um, I think there are these, these small synchronicities or, or psychic interactions perhaps that happen to us that we don't really, you know, we just kind of take for granted as being, well, that's kind of weird, but eh, yeah, whatever. Uh, but in terms of, you know, I had seen some anomalous light, light activity, things of that nature, But it wasn't until I started doing the show where I think I was really starting to be challenged by what the nature of reality really is in a lot of ways. And, you know, really uh, gaining some great empathy for the people that I was talking to about these experiences, Um, because I as I went through the show, I experienced more and more myself and grew to understand what they may be feeling. About having these experiences. Um, there is, like, sometimes a shame involved in some of this stuff. There is, right. like, a, oh, I don't want to sound like a crazy person because this thing happened. So, yeah, the, sh- the show really... I was right. It, it didn't turn out to be an adventure. Um, this format did lead to being quite the journey, so...
0: And was there anything in particular in any of your shows that really began to challenge you the most?
1: That's a great question. Every show really challenged me in a different way. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges, most broadly, is that the the show has taught me that it's very important, I believe, to keep one foot in and one foot out of the entire phenomena. And... I have had times where as a host, um, of course I am, I am in, you know, embedded in these experiences with these folks, but as a host, I try to take a step back and, and try to just kind of see it, uh, the, the way the listener may be experiencing it. And I try not to make it all about myself, but that's really hard to do when you're there and you're just, you're in it. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. I hear you.
1: So, Uh yeah. So it's taught me a level of patience and it's taught me a level of, um, you know, one foot in one foot out. Um, don't, don't try to believe too hard, just try to be present. Um, and so that's been a really interesting challenge, uh, in terms of particular experiences. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm beating around the, the bush here with these, the actual, um, awesome stories and stuff. Uh, but just to give a little context, that's, that's where my head usually comes from. You know, when I was, when I was near the top of a red rock mountain, hundreds of feet off the ground with sort of sheer, you know, 80-degree inclines. And I was on this small ledge, and I was watching my assistant producer, Chelsea, and the UFO lawyer from when I was a kid uh, finish the climb behind me. I was looking out on the vast landscape. I was looking at those guys as they were climbing up to the top in search of a vortex that Peter believed would open at a certain synchronistic date. I did, re- I did at that moment realize, like, like, what did I get myself into with this thing? <laughs> <laughs> right. um, you know, and and uh, I, I think the, the, the sheer amount of engagement with some of the personalities that I've encountered during the process of the show um, has has been a, a, a sort of anomalous experience in its own, right? But I will tell you that the, you know, with with the amount of reality poking that's involved in doing this work, and you know this, sometimes reality starts poking back a little bit, and mm-hmm. it's at those times when you go, okay, um, what's really going on here? And I can share a story real quick about that if you want.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, I'd love to hear it.
1: I was in Ohio. I was in Cincinnati with my friends, the Newkirks. Greg and Dana Newkirk, uh, have founded and run the uh, traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult. And they have all these different artifacts from around the world that, um, allegedly have been imbued with some sort of haunted attribute and they've been donated to these folks. Uh, sometimes they go and pick these things up in just remote areas and backwoods Mississippi or, or whatever. Um, but anyway, they go through a vetting process. They try to catalog what the actual story is. And just like any good you know, uh, ghost professional, right? uh, they try to get to the bottom of what, if, if, if this phenomenon is happening, why, why is this phenomenon happening? You know? and, and is there something that we can do to, to, maybe, to maybe give some peace to this situation, right? whether it's uh, spirit-based or something that's more broadly manifested or the like? Well, over the course of collecting these objects, they store these objects in their home. They live with these things, and so you walk into their apartment, and and, and you're in the museum. Um, so so you're in you know sort of like haunted Indiana Jones town. You know it's uh it's 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 amazing and and phenomenal until you realize like the stories they're telling you is about oh this one you know, um, this, this one spits blood and this one like toxins, you know, and this one vibrates. And these are just kind of rough examples, but it's like, Oh, and you go to sleep in that other room,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Fully immersed. So they have built up relationships with these objects because of their proximity, because of how close they work and live with these objects. And there's one in particular called Billy, and Billy is an ancient uh, African statue. Uh, he, uh, he's a Nikisi statue. Um, he has been crafted by someone to uh, be essentially like a, I believe, like a shepherd for a god. Um, there's there's a, a lot of lore that is built into a statue like this, and. Greg started to build up a relationship with this thing. Uh, this thing, when they first got it, was angry. They showed me recordings that they had, um, and 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 you could audibly hear this thing uh, grumbling and screaming and yelling at people. And so that you know, they would they would have interactions. They would do experiments with it. And as it as it went on, uh, they found in the episode. Uh, they, they found, you know, sort of um, what was triggering the statue, perhaps, and what was maybe ailing it. And develop- their relationship developed deeper as the statue started coming to Greg in dreams and giving him instruction. And uh, needless to say, this thing was very special. And when I went in there, it was sitting on their shelf uh, on an altar, and this altar was just filled with gifts that other people have come and brought. This thing, so booze and money and cigars and like name it. It was it was on that statue. It was decadent. Uh, this guy was a boss. It was clear. So I asked Ken, can, "Can I can I interview it?" Thinking I don't think I've ever said that before about a statue. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is this going to be like? And they said, "Well." Well, yeah, sure, and I, there was a part of me that was very hesitant about that because I was I was experiencing a situation where I was framing uh, boundaries up in my head with something that was a, w- was perhaps haunted. You know, is it okay for me to engage with this with with this entity or with this thing? Um, is it respectful for me to want to capture? some of what is going on with it and display it for, for a mass audience. And so I I was starting to already have like sort of a weird, um, there was a moral dimension to it, which was really fascinating to me uh, considering it was just a a, a wooden statue, but it's, it's a, it it, it is psychologically, I think one of the symptoms of, of doing this kind of work is that like, Oh no, no, no. Like that's a, that's not just a statue. That's like, obviously there's something there, you know, so you do construct very humanistic boundaries sometimes, and 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 a respect level to some of these things that I think you don't you don't typically get. And so they're like, sure, yeah, let's let's do it. Um, let me let me take out the the re, uh, the recorder. And they have this great recorder. Um, many ghost investigators have it. But essentially, if there's audio, it picks up the audio. Uh, if there's not audio, it doesn't record. And you can see it from the little meter if it's actually working or not, or I mean, if it's recording sound or not. And so in real time, as you're giving, you know, sort of shooting questions out to it, as you're in the process of interviewing or, 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 or trying to foster some sort of interaction, um, you can look at that screen and you go like, Oh, there's just an answer. That was an answer. Um, maybe, or, you know, somebody's stomach rumbled too hard. Um, but anyway, it, it gives this sort of like excitement and, 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 uh, I don't know, kind of nervousness to the conversation. If you see those lines on that little screen move a little bit, you know there's something going on. So he sets it, so he, he, sta- Greg stands by it, holds the recorder up towards Billy, the statue, and I start asking some questions, but I'm, I'm now nervous. I have now put myself in the space where, uh, anything can happen. And I don't know if I'm ready for it. If this thing gives me back an answer, what is, what is my world going to look like post answer? And especially if it, if he says something that is, you know, uh, you'll cognizant, right? So I, I spit out a few questions and they're, and they're fairly general and, uh, Greg's reaction doesn't change. And, I go, okay, well, I guess that's that's enough of that. I shoot him, like, five questions, and we listen back to the recorder, and there's there's nothing. There's just no, no, no answers at all. And a part of me was like, okay, well, I'm glad that was done. That's what not what the show was about. I was not counting for that tape. Um, I felt like I kind of had dodged a psychic bullet, in a sense. And Greg goes, I don't know. Well, wait, I think, like... I think our approach was wrong. Like, I've never done that before to Billy. I've never just held it up to his face like that. Let me let me sit the recorder on his altar and let me just let me talk to him for a second. And let me walk away. And so Greg sets the recorder down. He whispers something in Billy's ear, gives him a little gives him a little caress, turns on the recorder and walks away. And says, okay. And so now they've given me and the statue space. And now the now it feels real. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like, okay, is he listening? Because this feels different. <laughs> right.
0: So, so you, could, start, you could even feel like a vibe in the room change a little bit?
1: I could. I don't know if it was, you know, it, it felt cinematic, right? It felt mm-hmm. like. Yeah, 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 we this round two here we go. It, it felt more like oh no, no no yeah this is when something is going to happen. It just felt cinematic in that way, and so I think I was I was writing that wave of the story that was going on right now, and thinking to myself oh this is great tape, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to sound awesome of the show, and so I I kind of like you know I take a couple deep breaths. I uh, you know try not to uh, realize too hard about what's going on right now, uh, in terms of interviewing a statue. I'm I'm in it, and so I start asking those questions. But I look around in the room, and then I also start thinking about what I've experienced with sort of seasoned ghost investigators and what their questions usually are. You know, and usually their Emotive questions to really get this started. Their relationship questions. Um, a lot of these folks, when investigating haunted locations, will ask about, you know, an entity's family or what they're doing, what their favorite food was. Things like – things of this nature. And so I start doing just that. I ask Billy about Greg and Dana's cats which cat they think is the nicest one you know behind Billy is this obsidian mirror it's a black mirror that I guess Billy has an issue with I ask him about that I ask him about what he you know does he feel safe with Greg and and things things of this nature and the full interview can actually be that that portion of the interview can be heard on the episode I think it's episode nine I think um but I'm waiting there, and I'm, and I'm done, and, I'm at, and, and, and I had looked at the recorder as I was ask, asking questions, and that, and, and that waveform was moving hmm. after I would say something. And so the entire time I was going through my line of questions and seeing that visual response to what I was saying – was building up all of the tension and excitement in the world in terms of, no, that wasn't happening before. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Greg walks over and we listen back. And it's this great thing where, of course, it only plays what it records. And so it cuts out all of the in-between stuff. So you're hearing my questions. And then immediately after you are hearing some form of audible answer to my question. Now, what those answers are, like any, like, well, most uh, ghost phenomenon, EVP phenomenon is left to interpretation. Um, but personally, I can gleam what some of those answers might be. And so did Greg and Dana. Greg and Dana did have a visceral, emotional reaction to what we were doing as well. Um, after a long day of talking about not only their work together, but how they relate to these objects and how they give them home and that how they give them hope, having some of the answers come back with, about them personally and their relationship, but from a third party, not from themselves. And Billy really sharing the sentiment that he felt safe and there was a favorite cat of his and a a lot of very specific answers to what their relationship is and what their reality was, was one of those things, I think, that has completely challenged my notion of what reality is, for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say I could understand why. As you were telling the story, I just did a quick search to try to find this statue, and it led me to the paramuseum.com website. So I'm looking at Billy right now, and I can see the statue. The statue itself could be a little intimidating when you first see it, to be like, ooh, that looks very tribal, very aboriginal. Face doesn't look too scary to me, but at the same time with the story that comes behind it, you know. So when you had this recording, were there some, uh, audio was, was there some audio that was very distinct that you could tell it definitely was, uh, answering a question. So somebody like myself to listen to it or your listeners and, you know, we're not as emotionally involved in it. Would we interpret it the same way that you guys did?
1: You know, I, I've surveyed people with that and it's mixed results. And, yeah. I, and I think that's really I think that's very typical, especially for EVP recordings because there's they're very subjective um, you know they, there are there are very short uh, responses that come back in my conversation with Billy that lead me to believe that some something is going on there some sort of interaction perhaps is going on there but I don't know you know it's like what what is it I don't know you know what is it a spirit inside of a statue? I I can't say that with any sort of judged opinion on what that is. So I think that if anything, it's just an expression of this sort of universal game that goes on where we're sort of playing this game and reality likes to be playful and it will express itself in a lot of different ways to keep things Spicy, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, because it's also so, so much of, of whatever this phenomenon is, is subjective in that way, is that there will be enough sort of illustrative proof or uh, sort of pseudoscientific rationality or completely visual anecdotal evidence. And that's it. And th- that's all we know about it. And it's just story after story after story, that's just like this. So what does that mean? Right. You know. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And if you're collecting enough enough stories of people, I mean, is it? It's. I, I think one can gather that it's no longer something in somebody's imagination. If we have this, you know. So many people have paranormal experiences. I have yet to really find a person who has never had something at some degree paranormal or something happen in their life where they say, "Okay, now I can't explain that. That was that was weird," you know, or they might say, "Maybe that was just a coincidence. I don't know." Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Well, well, thanks for um, letting me know too about this traveling museum of paranormal um, objects in the occult. I had never heard of this before.
1: Yeah, it's really fantastic. They, they travel the United States. Uh, they're always on the road. I know they have a few dates coming up in the spring. Um, I, I want to try to just just hitch my wagon to to them going about and doing this sometimes um i I think the i would really love to see firsthand what the interactions are with some of the guests that experience these objects because you know you go in and and you get a chance to be you get a chance to stand right next to billy you get a chance to ask him questions yourself and see what develops you know so i i think it's a it's a very fascinating project and and one where you know listen they're very uh they're very sentimental people, and I don't mean that as a slight. I mean that as a, a loving, um, uh, I don't know, a compliment. Um, their, their whole aim is to essentially show these objects in a different light and to show, I think, the phenomenon in a different way to people uh, in a way that is based upon this notion of not being afraid of everything of embracing some of the strange that accompanies hauntings objects ghosts etc and knowing that you know a lot of the fear is sensationalized per some of this stuff so I, th- I think that's their aim, and I think that's really interesting, you know, and I think it's really um, the more positivity, the better. I think when it comes to this space, especially, especially one where it seems that some level of manifestation goes on, that some level of co-creation is involved in all of this phenomenon, if that's the case, which I think it may be, I'm not sure, um, then yeah, positivity is better than negativity, for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. And you know, what, what comes to mind in what they're setting up and also trying to do, it's almost like it's, it's a great experiment or a way for people to play with their consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the, the consciousness of another object, you know, before anything comes into a form, it's a thought, right? So, yeah. you know, these artifacts were thought beforehand and people that created them, there's energy coming from those people. And then the myths, the legends, the energy in which these objects were surrounded by. So, yeah, I mean, and we can interact, but if you have a physical thing that you can visually see, it almost gives you practice to play with that intuitive part of oneself while they're exploring the quote-unquote paranormal, but really, is it really paranormal or just very normal?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I think you said it so correctly. And in fact, I, I'm, I'm starting to believe that a lot of folks that are involved in um, not only just, just sort of anomalous research, paranormal research, but, but the ones that listen to podcasts routinely, like myself, um, are actually very very involved in consciousness ex- expansion uh, just by the way of, of the material that you are involved in. You know, I, I think that parent pe- people that people that are into the paranormal are slighted all the time. And I think it's really unfair. Uh, I think that the level of folks that, that claim to just, you know, quote unquote, like not get it uh, I think is a, I think is a bit of a cop out. Um, and I think that they're, these these stories and this phenomenon is something that has always been sort of our part of reality, yet in the past we've had a deeper relationship with it, and we've had uh, a marrying of, of spirit and science that is just not a part of our culture anymore. Um, and I think that's – I think we should reevaluate that, and I think that a new generation is coming up as to where maybe they are evaluating these things, and I think we're evaluating it by – very real manifestations that are occurring in our life that are making us confront some of these larger ideas that at one point in time seem paranormal or in science fiction. And right now we're talking about what what does it look like when we colonize Mars? What does it look like when we don't drive anymore and we just drive in transformers all day long? I mean, it's completely absurd Michael Mann stuff, uh, and we have to think about, like, what are the consequences to us as a, as a society, as a culture, as human beings, when we can just take our brains out and put them in another sleeve or something. Um, so, yeah, I, I think more people are actually interested in the paranormal. I think that science fiction movies will point to that. I think we all have this lust inside of us for trying to connect with something else, or at least that question – that question about what this all means.
0: Yeah, and I like, um, you know, your story and the fact where you said some of your paranormal experience was a bit limited, except for what you witnessed, you know, kind of growing up. But as you began interviewing people and getting more curious, then your experiences started to open. And um, I know I've heard one of my teachers say that, you know, when you're ready, the universe will begin to reveal itself to you, but, you Mm -hmm. know, in small increments. Um, But if you're not ready, and you still hold a lot of fear, as opposed to maybe curiosity um, you know, you're probably not going to be exposed or as open too much to that part because the eyes aren't open, right? Or you're not fully awake or willing to be a receptor, you know, to that. So I think it's kind of cool that you're starting to yourself have more and more experiences and being even more curious and optimistic yet skeptical. So I love that.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it's, it's certainly, as I said, ha- has been a journey. You know, uh, to to be a hundred percent clear, you know, there was a part in time where the, the first version of Euphemet, uh, which is which is different than the the series that's out now, uh, I had to I had to essentially end it because because of this, um, I I didn't really have I wasn't mature enough and I didn't really have the tools necessary. Personally, to, to handle some of the events that were occurring, especially in terms of synchronicities, I think. And most of them were very mundane and very um, anecdotal and mundane. But uh, enough led to this place where where I, I really was reaching that. Um, uh, darkest night of the soul, you know, where I would just kind of like, I, I would sit up in bed. My wife would be like, "What's what's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, "Well, I, I just don't even know reality is anymore. So I I'm not sure." And so uh, I I was I, I think what I was really approaching was um, I, I now stand by the statement that that I really don't want to, I don't know what I believe, mm-hmm. and at that time when that. Uh, when that opinion or when that uh, position was revealing itself, um, much in the way of how the, the, the reality reveals itself, right? Um, I think I was, I was challenged by that in a very fundamental way that just needed some time. To, to, to like sort of integrate into my personality and in my work, um, I think that realization led me to uh, completely change how I live, um, both sort of physically and also professionally. Um, I exited, you know, sort of agency work. Uh, I completely changed my career path to working on stuff I just wanted to work on, uh, work on stuff that could could be considered, um, you know, conscious expansion. And I I think that's the power of what these stories do. And I think that's the power of stories anyway, no matter if it's a paranormal story or a awesome Western or something. Um, I think that good stories really make us reevaluate or at least dip into these altered states of consciousness as to where we can explore what our reactions to those are and work through that process. And I think I think that we do have, at least most of us, have some sort of fundamental reaction to some of this where we react with fear or we react with curiosity or we some even react with anger. And if we can learn anything from mystery schools and, you know, ancient Kabbalah and things like this, You know, these are all processes, uh, I mean, organized religion, these are all constructs and processes for for helping us to navigate and get through the nature of reality, just in different forms, seemingly. So when you don't have that, and you have pop culture, and that's kind of your religion, which I think culturally is so true for us in the United States and Canada and the Western world, and maybe even globally at this point. Um, You start looking, I think, for, okay, what is my construct here? I'm just like a ship out in the sea. Uh, How do I deal with some of these ideas? And so I think at that point, it's much easier to close down to some of this phenomenon and be like, yeah, 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 that is fiction. That is a movie. That is not really happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes it even a little bit harder for us to embrace the strange
0: Right. I would agree. Your story sounds a little similar to mine as well when you kind of have that break and in reality, in that moment, you're like, "Whoa, what is going on here? I remember when Mike and I did the filming of our documentaries, you know, we walked away from one person that we interviewed. And I, I said the same thing. I was like, I have no idea what I believe anymore. I don't think I could believe in anything. You know, (laughs) I was just like blown away. I'm like, all of my belief systems just got busted apart. I was like in shock. I was like, holy crap, what just happened? You know? Um, but there, that's all, there's also a moment of freedom in that too. Uh, like scary freedom in a sense to be like, yeah, okay, maybe I could just explore, not really have to be tied to any belief per se. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And then the other the side of that is
1: great. Yeah. The yeah. other side of that is great. I think, I think that's, it's a. Uh, I mean, that's, that's amazing to hear your story about that happening too. And I, I think there, there are more people like us that, that have those moments and what they do with it. Um, you know, who knows, but I, I do think that, We should be allowed to to have these moments of questioning what this all means because no one knows. (laughs) Let's just get that out clear. Like no one can say – for 100 percent, like this is actually what's going on in reality, and life, and this is how you explain that paranormal. Get out of here. Like no one can explain that. Right. So why can we not have a feeling or opinion or belief system? I think that's great. I think folks should dip into that. But I, I think the place where, where you had mentioned and the place where I am, maybe you're still in this place, of being okay with not knowing being okay with not knowing. Yep. <laughs> uh, I think as storytellers, especially, and as as, as content creators, right, yep. I think that puts us in a great place of possibility, of exploration, of curiosity, as to where we can integrate all these different things and boil them together and see what comes out the other side. And more often than not, we see that some of this stuff is exactly the same. That's the craziest part. Is the more we look back, the more we can see forward and realize that so much of this repeats itself, so much of this stuff is, is, is shares a, a lineage of stories that is similar, um, and it seemingly it's different interpretations, or, or this, it's phenomena through different lenses, right? And so that's a very interesting place to be as a, as a storyteller, I think.
0: Well, I think it's wonderful too that you have created this media outlet for people um, who are feeling, you know, brave enough to share their paranormal experiences. Um, and so, I would like you to let our listeners know if they're interested in sharing their story with you, because we have a great listenership. Our audience is wonderful; um, they are like the audience to talk to. I know that so many of them have had their own experiences, which is why they tune into our podcast. And I would love to connect some of them with you so can you let them know how people can contact you if they would like to be a guest or share their story on Euphemet
1: yeah thank you so much for for opening that as an opportunity uh, they can reach me by email, jim uh, at euphemet.com, and you can also just add me on Facebook uh, Jim Perry you can add me on there and we have a group for euphemet called the Society of Ufamet. Uh that's a space where we all get together and, and sometimes talk about the shows and give reaction and share some stories and th- th- that's the best way to do that if you're more of a Twitter person or Instagram person uh, my, my handle is uh, it's Jim Perry at it's Jim Perry. And those are the best ways to contact me. A lot of, a lot of different choices.
0: Yeah. Well, Jim, I'm glad we stumbled upon you and found you. Um, Me too. It, it was a great conversation. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but that's great too, right? I'm usually interviewing authors of books and this and that, but um, somehow, some way we found you, our paths have crossed, and I hope that they can continue to cross and uh, we can just help each other out in the work that we're trying to do in the world, in this this crazy world that we don't really know what's going on. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> For sure. It's an exciting new frontier and I'm excited to uh, I've met you guys as well, and yes, let's let's continue this journey together for sure.
0: All right, thanks, Jim, and again for our listeners, um, his podcast is called Euphemet, and check it out. Contact him if you have an interesting story. So, thanks again, Jim, for being a guest on the Path Eleven podcast.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time!